If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 20th, 2011. And today we're just going to be running down some more current events. Uh, the first article is going to be dealing with a, uh, the uh, biometric, national biometric system that they're going to be implementing in Mexico over the next few years where they're going to be tracking and um, all the Mexican children. We're going to get into that first. Then we're going to get into some information about, more information about Rick Warren and the Global Health Initiative and how that relates to coming in time. Uh, current events, and actually the implementation of the New World Order. Those are going to be the two main topics that we're going to be covering today. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. And this article is uh, from Jerome Corsi, and it's entitled, All Mexican Children to be Registered in National Biometric Records, Identity Tracking Scheme Assembled Under Radar for Border Pass Program. Below the radar of public opinion, Mexico has started to assemble the type of biometric national identity database that could be used to document names for a North American trusted traveler border pass card. A plan already is being developed by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security for Mexican citizens. It apparently would be similar to the program that has become more commonplace in the European Union to allow free transit for EU citizens to move, live, and work wherever they choose within the EU disregarding nation of origin and national border restrictions. And this would line up very much with the North American Union. In order, This would be the most logical place for them to start would be the Mexican citizens because uh, the Mexican citizens aren't going to really give them near as much trouble for the most part as a certain part of the American populace that is educated on this particular subject. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I, I, I believe that, you know, that's going to bear out to be truth. On January 19, 2011, Mexico's president, Felipe Calderon, signed an executive order requiring within the next five years all Mexicans, 17 years old and younger, have to have a biometric national identity card that would include a facial photograph, all 10 fingerprints, and an iris scan. I mean, this is the absolute total equivalent of the Mexican national ID card. And we've talked a lot about the, the American national ID card in time in other studies. And I give you those, those um, I'm going to give you those links to my other studies where I've talked about it. But this is already, he's already signed this executive order. This is, this is going into effect as we speak. To carry out this presidential executive order, the Mexican Directorate General of the National Population Registrar plans to go to all elementary schools in Mexico uh, to record the required biometric information and issue individual identity cards. Reasonable estimates are that by the end of 2012, Mexico plans to issue more than 25.7 million biometric identity cards to the nation's children 18 years and younger. Now, this is just by the end of 2012. I mean, this is... The national identity card in America keeps getting put off and put off and put off. That's been happening. But this is already set in motion, implemented, and they're saying by the end of 2012, 25.7 million biometric identity cards. So I just can't believe that it would be that far off in America if they're going to be this aggressive. Once the nation's children are recorded in this biometric national identity 
database, the plan is to add a second phase that will extend the biometric identification cards to Mexican adults. With a third phase designed to establish a national registry for all foreigners residing in Mexico. The website of the Mexican Directorate General of the National Population Registrar, or RANAPO, and I give you a link here to it, displays a photo of a family holding an enlarged version of the new personal identity card issued to the daughter. And I'm looking at it right now. It's a, it's this propaganda picture, and it has the parents in the background. They're holding this gigantic national identity card. It's like a blow-up version of it. And the son's there, and the little girl's there. And it shows a picture of the little girl that's sitting there on the card. It's got a barcode on it. And all of her biometric information is actually within this particular card. And they're all happy and, you know, it's really nauseating is what it is. But they're, they're trying to present this as nicely as possible. Also available on the website of the Mexican Director General of the National Population Register is a second photo that shows two smiling children holding an enlarged version of the personal identity card created for the girl in the photo. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's just a different picture. Okay, so continuing, the New Mexican personal identity card includes a security hologram to prevent duplication or creation of fraudulent cards, an iris scan information embedded into a barcode on the reverse of the card, and various biometric information also includes the 10 digits of fingerprints. Each card bears a unique personal ID number as well which would be kind of equivalent to a social security number, but this is like the next version of it, and a face photo designed to make sure that only one person to whom the card was issued can use the card. Next to the eagle symbol of Mexico, at the top of the card, get this, reads, quote, the United States of Mexico. The United States of Mexico. Huh. So... You know, this is pretty flagrant stuff here. North American Union is going to be a merger of Canada, United States, and Mexico. And so when we have the United States of Mexico on the card, it's a pretty flagrant thing. Critics in Mexico have charged <clears throat> that the Mexican effort to enroll school children in a national biometric personal identity database involves the early implementations of an incremental New World Order plan designed to fit into initiatives designed under the Security and Prosperity Partnership to evolve into the North American Free Trade Agreement into a continental or regional North American Union governmental structure. And that was kind of a mouthful. But I give you the three links to um, uh, the studies that I've done on this. And where we talked, they're a little bit dated, but I talk about the origins of the North American Union and the National Identity Card and how that relates to the Mark of the Beast. I obviously don't believe it's the Mark of the Beast, um, but it's it's a step in that direction. So I'll give you those three links. This PDF will be associated with the February twentieth, uh, two thousand eleven teaching on ContendingForTruth.com or wherever you may find. If you hear this teaching, and let's say it's in the future, and my website's down, the New World Order got to me, or whatever. Well, hopefully there'll be other sites up there, and there are other sites up there right now, archiving both my audios and my PDFs, and you can find some of those sites if you go up to contendingfortruth.com, and you scroll to the right side of the the page, the the homepage, and you'll see alternative sites. So you might want to, like, favorite those, or, or, or put them in your... Your thing, so you can always have access to this information. The uh, the PDFs alone can be a big help. Now, this PDF, 
is 54 pages long, okay? But I'm not going to be going into all 54 pages. Basically, the last part of it, we're going to be talking about the 501c3 Corporate Church of America, and I give you my 39-page study. I added that on to the end of the PDF, so you could have all the information at your fingertips. That's really taken me years and years and years. When I have a PDF and I put it up there, a lot of times what you're seeing is the um, result of maybe anywhere from 5 to 10 years of research. And I'll take little things and I'll put it in the PDF and I'll change it and I'll save things. And over time, the, the PDFs or the Word documents get honed down better. And then you kind of have one-stop shopping if you have a particular subject that you want to know about. So anyway, that will be at the end of this PDF. Uh, next article is entitled, Kill Switch, Government Blocks 84,000 Websites. Under the banner of fighting child pornography, the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Justice knocked out 84,000 websites last week. The websites did not host or link to child pornography as the government claims. See, this is the reason that government said, well, we knocked out these websites because they're, they're linked to child pornography. Uh, as Operation Save Our Children... Cybercrime Center has again seized several domain names, but not without making a huge error. Last Friday, thousands of site owners were surprised by a rather worrying banner that was placed on their domain, uh, reports the source Torrent Freak, a, which is a tech site. The, what was on the website, when they went up to their website, it said, quote, Advertisement, distribution, transportation, receipt, and possession of child pornography constitute federal crimes that carry penalties for first-time offenders of up to 30 years in federal prison, to a $250,000 fine, forfeiture, and also restitution. That was the message visitors to the sites were greeted with after a judge signed a seizure warrant, and Big Sister, Big Sis they call her, uh, Jan Napolitano, contacted the domain registries and instructed them to point the domains in question to a server that hosts the above warning message. Uh, and Torrent Freak then writes, however, somewhere in this process a mistake was made, and as a result the domain of a large DNS service provider was seized. It certainly is possible, although not probable, the takedown was an error. It is more likely, this is the reason, it was more likely the sites were taken offline in a calculated fashion in order to send a message that the government has the ability to deny a large number of websites access to the internet. In other words, these sites were not hosting child pornography. It was a gigantic mistake. 84,000 websites. I mean, that's a lot of websites. In response to the widespread protests and mass unrest, the authoritarian Egyptian government shut down the Internet in, in late January. In addition, the Mubarak regime gave the order to shut off mobile phone service. Quote, all mobile phone operators in Egypt have been instructed to suspend services in selected areas. Under Egyptian legislation, the... Uh, the authorities have the right to issue such an order, and we, oblige, we were obliged to comply. Explain Vodafone. Evidently, they had a lot to do with it. The government wants to implement a likewise system in the United States. Senator Joe Lieberman introduced a bill that would allow the Obama administration to pull the plug on the Internet. The bill would amend Homeland Security Act of 2002, enacted during the manufactured hysteria following the events of September 11, 2001. According to the language of the bill, it would enhance security and resiliency of the cyber and communications infrastructure of the United States by allowing the president to use a figurative kill switch and seize control of the web in response to a Homeland Security directive. 
Right now in China, the government can disconnect parts of the Internet in case of war, and we need to have that here too, said Senator Joe Lieberman, as he told that to CNN last year. So they take down 84,000 websites. Um, it's basically a gigantic mistake for the most part. I don't know if any of that was legitimate at all, as, as far as the, um, but I know the vast majority was not legitimate. And, you know, you couldn't have much of a worse thing on your webpage than that. If the government took it over and they said that, I mean, in the eyes of a lot of different people, if they were to go to that website, they would just be like a judge and jury thing. They'd be like, whoa, 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 I'm never going up here again. You know, that's the worst thing you could accuse somebody of. So I, I think it's no mistake that they would, you know, do such a thing. Uh, and, and it's not by accident. I also give you a couple other links here if you want to explore that uh, article a little bit further. Next article, Rick Warren speaks out against those warning the church of meditation. Uh, perhaps stung by criticism about his Daniel Plan alliance. Now, remember, the, the Daniel Plan is this year-long health initiative that Rick Warren is implementing in his church where he's brought three very new age doctors, mainstream, well, not mainstream, one of them's mainstream, Dr. Oz, where he's brought in these three new age doctors, uh, Dr. Oz, the one that Oprah's promoted, he's um, he promotes uh, um, Reiki, massage, meditation. He is also, uh, I mean, this guy's into everything. He's a Muslim. He actually adheres to a lot of the things in the Muslim uh, cult religion. And he also uh, adheres to that doctor, uh, or that Emanuel Swedenborg, the guy that started that cult in the 1800s. I mean, he's into everything, Dr. Oz. This guy is a devil. And then you've got Dr. Amen, and then there's one other one, and one of them's uh, uh, advising for the tantric sex yoga. One of them is heavily advising toward meditation, and Dr. Oz is heavily advising toward Reiki. Now, they're all pretty much on the same page. But this is this is this Daniel Plain Alliance that we're talking about here. Now, if you want to know more about that, I did a teaching a few weeks back on this. You can go up to contendingfortruth.com, scroll down, or do a keyword search on there, and you'll find it. You can hear the whole thing. Uh, so, going back to the article, it says, perhaps stung by criticism about the Daniel Plain Alliance with three well-known New Age doctors, uh, Rick Warren simultaneously addressed and sidestepped the meditation issue during a recent sermon. Warren never acknowledged his own promotion of the teachers of anti-biblical meditative practices, such as contemplative prayer. He never addressed the Daniel Plain controversy, but seemed to accuse... Instead, the Christians who are sounding the alarm about the Eastern New Age meditation advocates of Dr. Mesmet Oz, Dr. Daniel Amen, and Dr. Mark Hyman. Those are the three doctors. So this is a typical thing when you see a wolf in sheep's clothing cornered. He wants to remain in his sheep's clothing. So what he does then is the spotlight is being shown on him and he doesn't like that. So what he does is he tries to shine the spotlight back on all his accusers. And saying, they're the bad guys. They're the ones in the wrong. Not me. It's not me. He, and this is what you, you typically see. In a seeming attempt to spin the continuing controversy, Rick Warren claimed Christians on the internet have been warning against biblical meditation. So, so what he's saying is, yeah, I, I, I advocate only biblical meditation, and now these Christians are coming after me because I do that. Well, the devil is... Um, what he's doing is, he's, he's taking something, he's taking New Age mysticism meditation, which is what these doctors are advocating, 
which is what Rick Warren is on board for, which is what he is behind, he's advocating that. He's not advocating what they call biblical meditation, which is what we're going to discuss here as far as meditating on the Word of God. It's a totally different concept here. So, going further, it says, with more than a touch of sarcasm and making a scary mocking wooing sound, Rick Warren stated, quote, it's called meditation. Meditation. What in the world is that? Some people think, wow, that's scary. This has actually become a controversial word. Some very, very confused believers have been teaching, I've seen it on the internet, that Christians should be afraid of meditation and run from meditation. That's nonsense. The Bible talks about meditation and commands it. So this was his response, Rick Warren's, you know, sarcastic response. So, wait a minute. He's seen it on the internet. In reality, Rick Warren most likely cannot identify one Bible-believing blogger or online discernment or research ministry that teaches that Christians should fear and run from biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is simply reflecting upon or pondering the Word of God. It is wonderful, powerful, and something that we are commanded to do. Um, uh, Joshua 1.8 is a reference. Also, whenever you see in Psalms where it says, Selah, in the King James Bible, that means basically, you know, contemplate, meditate on what was just said. You know, it's not like you get in some lotus position and, and contemplate your navel and, you know, whatever. Okay, but this is what Rick Warren's trying to do. And it's, you know, it doesn't surprise me, obviously. Biblical meditation, okay, we've already defined that. In biblical meditation, a repetitive word or a chant is never used. The mind never ceases to become active, and there is never an altered state of consciousness. But this is exactly what happens during Eastern New Age meditation that all these doctors are advocating and he's bringing into the church. The Bible says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. And this is what Rick Warren's trying to do. He's trying to... He's very subtle. Rick Warren... I mean, they wouldn't have chose him... The, the new, his New World Order puppet masters wouldn't have chose him to usher in the coming global religion, at least the Christian side of it. Now, I understand the Catholic Church is going to play a big part, but he is more going to be, I believe, at the spear tip of the uh, the lukewarm Christian side, the evangelical lukewarm Christians. He's going to be at the spear tip of bringing that into, into being. And they wouldn't have chosen Rick Warren if he wasn't able to do what he did and do it well. He's very good at what he does. He's very subtle. He's like his father, the devil. He was the most subtle beast of the field. He's a liar from the beginning. He's the father of lies. And he's just like his dad. Okay? I mean, don't think I don't like him, but, you know, anyway, just kidding. Um, so, but what he's doing in his sermon, Rick Warren explained it very well. He said, quote, when the Bible says meditate, it's not talking about zone out in some psychic new age trance or put your mind in neutral and contemplate your navel. And then he said, ohm. And... Okay, so Rick Warren has played a significant role, but the thing is, is he's saying this out of one side of his mouth, but then out of the other side, he's condoning all these New Age teachers that he's bringing into the church. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. He's condoned many other uh, New Agers that he's brought in. He's recommended their books, and this is what we're going to look at in a second here. So he's saying one thing out of one side of his mouth, but on the other, his actions are speaking much louder than his words. He has helped... Um, he has helped, Rick Warren has helped publicize very many contemplative teachers. Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, both exalted in the purpose-driven church. Rick Warren's, you know, 
I don't know, probably most widely known book. He, he um, praised them on page 126 and 27 of that book. Henry Nowen is a favorite of his wife's. He's another New Ager. Uh, Trisha Rhodes, Adelaide Calhoun, Gary Thomas, who's a friend of Warren's, and many, many others. Now, I'm going to give you the link to this article, and you can see one after another, after another, after another, these endorsements that he's made. I mean, it's, it's his own writings, you know. So he's very, it's very, very easy to, uh, to expose this guy, because his own mouth has betrayed him. Uh, let's see here. Contemplative teachers in the Christian camp will not advise believers to focus on a mantra like Om. Uh, where they go om, you know, and meditate. But rather on a word or phrase like Jesus or Abba Father. In this way, the contemplative prayer appears Christian, but nevertheless serves as an entrance to the New Age. So in other words, instead of you going into a lotus position and saying om, you go into a lotus position and say Abba Father or Jesus or something like that. But I've seen this over and over with people that um, work with, let's say demon-possessed people. There are demon there are demons that will actually take on the name of like Jesus or Father God or whatever. Okay? So what is Satan? He's a master counterfeiter. It really shouldn't, you know, surprise us any that, that that he can do that. So this is how they're getting around it. They're saying, okay, well just instead of saying Om, we're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna kinda zone out, but we're just gonna say Jesus. We're gonna say Abba Father. Going back to the article, it says, Many of those who practice this frequently end up believing all is, is in God, or God is in all. Which is like pantheism, you know. Um, there's, uh, there's another one that, that they believe that. But that's a very common belief in that system. Beliefs that are actually contradictory to the biblical teaching and the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Sue Monk Kidd is just such a person. She started off as a conservative Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher. But when she was introduced to Thomas Merton, it changed her whole spiritual outlook, and eventually she became a worshiper of the goddess Sophia, saying that God is even an excrement. This is what Sue Monk Kidd believes. She started off as a Baptist Sunday school teacher. Now she believes God is even an excrement. I mean, that's about as blasphemous as it gets. And we should not be concerned that her name sits on the back of Dallas Willard's book, which is called The Spirit of, of Disciplines, and yet Rick Warren recommends that book on his website and shows great admiration and recognition for Willard's role in the spiritual formation, the contemplative prayer movement in Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Church. Rick Warren is, I'm telling you, he is really right in the middle of this great apostasy that's going on in the, uh, in the Christian church right now. The silence... This silence is the realm of deceptive spirits. They, they refer to um, this from a New Age standpoint as going into the silence, this meditation, going into this silence. And they'll use that word over and over again. Uh, and more and more churches, ministries, and organizations and schools are going contemplative. For Rick Warren to stand up just days after New Age meditation advocates Dr. Oz, Hyman, and Amen have addressed this congregation... For him to go and belittle, mock, and scorn Christians who are warning against Eastern-style meditation coming into the church, all the while he's been promoting the teachers of such meditation for years, is absolutely astounding, not to mention very wrong. Well, you know, anything, really, we really shouldn't be surprised by anything that devil does. And we've done several studies on Rick Warren, and I give you some more of the links to my previous studies on him. 
uh, as well. The next article is uh, related. On January 22nd, Ingrid Schuleter of VCI, VCY America interviewed Jennifer Pektich on Crosstalk Radio Program. And is probably one of the most important shows that VCI Radio has ever done, in our opinion. Jennifer has recently attended a health seminar at Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church. Rick Warren brought in three leading health specialists to train Saddleback's congregation how to be healthy. Crosstalk explains why should these men cause red flags to come up for Christians. Jennifer attended the Daniel Plan kickoff, which was on January 15th. From her notes, she shares how from Kundalini Yoga to transcendental med- meditation, these men are steeped in Eastern mysticism and the occult. In addition, through it all, numerous UN buzz phrases could be heard. Phrases such as, quote, sustainable living, smart growth, public-private partnerships, and more. Are Rick Warren and his associates attempting to restructure the church and society by warming Christians up to the fanciful-sounding global plan? You decide for yourself when you review this edition of Crosstalk. And I give you the link. You can hear the whole interview if you want. I'm, I just wanted to like mention that because it, it very much goes in line with what we're, we're talking about today here. Uh, next article, another article, very similar. Earlier this week, we were sent a link to a recent video of Rick Warren talking to his congregation about the Daniel Plan. In that video, Rick Warren told the audience, quote, I'm very excited. We're talking with a number of national grocery store chains who are getting behind this Daniel plan. And I can't announce it to you right now, but let me tell you some very exciting things. You'll probably be reading about it in newspapers. And I give you a link to the video if you want to see it. In the view of both Rick Warren's Daniel plan that is using New Age teachers and this information about the national grocery store change involvement, please read the following article just posted by an organization called Heroscope. And when Rick Warren launched his Daniel Plan prescription of health several weeks ago as a massive campaign to alter health of evangelicals in America, many discerning saints expressed shock and dismay at his open association with New Age doctors. While this, in fact, is upsetting, there are equally disturbing issues about Rick Warren's Daniel Plan that cannot be ignored. With Rick Warren at the helm, the church is now in the business of health care reform. This is the three-legged stool that they keep referring to. It is the integration of the church, the state, and the corporate world all together. That, uh, that the business guru, Peter Drucker, who is Rick Warren's mentor, proposed as a method for restructuring society. In this model, the church assumes a powerful new role as a change agent provocateur or a cheerleader for change and transformation in society. And they've got a little diagram here. And what it shows is six things. It's got business, government, arts and media, social sector, education, and healthcare. And then it has the church underneath it in a, in a little dotted line, and it's encompassing the base of all of these things. Now, this totally lines up with the coming one-world political, one-world governmental, one-world religious system, one-world economic system that we have on the horizon that the Bible does predict. And the church has to be a part of this. I mean, when the Antichrist comes to power, he cannot just come to power through political means, through economic means. There has to be a religious element because too many people, that is their that is what they do. I mean, if you're if you're a hardcore Hindu, if you're a hardcore Catholic, or if you're a hardcore Buddhist, or if you're a hardcore whatever 
your religion is where you base your life from. Now, that religion may be taking you straight to hell. Okay, if it's apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God, okay, it's going to take you to hell. But most people base their their lives on that particular structure. If the church and these religions can all get on the same page, there's no more powerful institution on the planet, on the planet that we would say a, a religion being at the top that could influence more people into a coming one world, new world order than religion itself. And this is the this is going to be the um, what we're talking about here with Rick Warren is more the the Christianized the the veneer of Christianity, of how they're going to actually do this. This is this three-legged stool. Church, state, and corporate world all merging together, and this thing with the Daniel plan is a big part of this. The pivotal book that officially launched the New Age movement was Marilyn Ferguson's The Aquarian Conspiracy, which was published in 1980. The book was an important New Age manifesto that attempted to announce and popularize what the New Agers chose to publicly display in their movement. The book set forth futuristic thinking that has become so commonplace in our culture that an entire generation has grown up believing its basic assumptions. One of the key topics in the book was Ferguson's assertion that the radical overhaul of society could be based upon health care reform. Now she said this back in the 80s. And this is like one of the Bibles for the coming New World Order. Okay, She said that a radical overhaul of society could be based upon health care reform. Which is a... And this is quoting from the book, a transformation explained in the chapter, Healing Ourselves. Ferguson's New Age holistic healthcare model included body-mind perspective... Okay, sorry, I got a little off track there. Ferguson's New Age holistic healthcare model included body-mind perspective, the exploitation of the role played by the brain in the body's overall health. Ferguson explained definition of the mind incorporated spiritual things from the occult world. This broadened the holistic health model with its body-mind-spirit connection and proved to be a key entry point for the new theologies, philosophies, and practices. Holistic health became the easiest vehicle with which to deceive an entire population into adopting tenets of the Eastern mystical worldview. Now, if anybody knows about this, I do. Because when I became a chiropractor and got into, you know, I was at the age of 24, I was, well, at the age of 23, I was a chiropractic physician. I was licensed by the age of 24. And the guy that I went to go practice with, who was the guy that led me to the Lord, was into all this whole, like, new age garbage. Okay. I mean, you know, the whole thing. Acupuncture, and uh, he did some crystal work, and uh, applied kinesiology, and a lot of stuff that was really out there. Okay, Well, he was the guy that led me to the Lord, so I figured it was okay. And I got into this stuff hook, line, and sinker, and I practiced it for, I don't know, three or four years, I guess. And the Lord finally yanked me out of it. But I got a really good dose of all of this stuff. And the problem is, is there's a lot of good things out there. I mean, God put herbs here. God put, you know, good food here. He, there's a lot of good things. But the problem you run into is most of it, most of the people that are advocating this stuff, or a high percentage of them, are really seriously into the new age. And you got to be really careful. If you go to an alternative healthcare doctor, I don't know who to refer people. They pay out, well, who do I go to? I'm like, I don't really know. I said, I'm one of the few that I know of that was able to get out of it. Most of the people that call themselves born-again Christians that, that do uh, get into alternative health care, get into all the New Age stuff. 
And what happens is, is those spirits that are associated with acupuncture and applied kinesiology and Reiki or whatever, they blind the doctor or the practitioner and they don't see anymore. I was blinded at one point. I admit it. Okay? The Lord opened my eyes. It didn't happen just overnight. And I got out of it. And I mean, I literally walked away from... I mean, if I would have stayed in that, I had a pretty big client base. I walked away from it all. I mean, the Lord kind of yanked me out and I walked away at the same time. Okay? And, and you know, it was it was a big monetary sacrifice on my part. But... I never looked back, and I never regretted it, and I thank God that he did that. Um, but anyway, I, I know a lot about this, and there's balance that needs to be struck here. Because we can't just say, well, I can't eat any vitamins or minerals or herbs or, or, or that because there's too much new age associated with it. Yes, if you go with a company, try to find a company that's at least not overtly new age. I mean, if they've got like yin-yang symbols all over everything and occult symbolism, I don't advise buying those nutrients or herbs or these types of things. It's very hard to find, especially if you get into like Chinese herbology and those types of things. I mean, golly, it's like all over. Um, but it can be done. It is possible. Uh, you just kind of have to do your, your homework there. And... Um, um, you know, try to go with companies that are literally food-based in origin. They, they, they actually derive the vitamins and minerals from food-based. Uh, right Foods is one of them that does it. Standard Process is another one. Um, Innate, I-N-N-A-T-E, is another one. They actually make their vitamins and minerals from a food. Okay, now I'm not saying they're Christian companies, but they're not, it's not like, you know, they send you a brochure on, you know, quotes from Buddha for the day when you get an order from them or something like that. I mean, it's, it's not like that at all. So, pray over the nutrients. Pray over herbs. If you get teas, pray over them, you know. I mean, the Lord can sanctify that stuff, just like he can sanctify food, you know, where, where it even talks about that in the New Testament, where, you know, the food is sanctified through prayer. So that's another thing I think is very, very important. You're praying over your food, you know, um, and... These types of things. And it's important too, and the Bible talks about this, where, you know, if a man prayeth with his head covered, it is not a good thing. So take off your hat. That's why when you see movies about people praying in, in old times, they'd always take off their hat. There's a, there's a biblical reason they do that. Men are supposed to do that. So anyway, just want to throw that in there. Um, let's go further here. I'm just going to read the last sentence again. Holistic health became the easiest vehicle with which to deceive an entire population into adopting the tenets of the Eastern mystical worldview. This is what Rick Warren is doing. This is what Marilyn Ferguson said in 1980 with the Aquarian Conspiracy. And remember I always talk about, you know, what what is this all about? Well, it's about moving us from, from an occult standpoint, from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. Remember that song, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius? What does Maitreya talk about? Maitreya talks about moving us from the age away from the age of the Pisces, which is where they said Master Jesus dominated, who they call Sananda Emmanuel. It's the Ascended Master, False Jesus. It's their counterfeit Jesus. And then we're going to go into the phase of the Aquarian phase, which is essentially the, the moving of the old world order into the new world order, which is where the Antichrist and the False Prophet will dominate, and Maitreya will have some... Some major role, I would imagine. I mean, if, if he's not the Antichrist, he's going to have some major role in helping bring that about. But holistic health 
she predicted would be the easiest vehicle with which to deceive an entire population into adopting the tenets of the Eastern mystical worldview. Well, I mean, a lot of people right now are unhealthy in the Christian church. I mean, they're trying every way they can in the world to kill us. So a lot of people are really desperate right now for like, you know, what do I got to do to be healthy? My aunt's got cancer. Or, uh, my uncle's got leukemia. Uh, I feel like, I feel terrible. What do I do? So when you got a guy like Rick Warren coming in and putting his stamp of approval on these new age doctors, bringing them into the church, putting a Christian veneer on it, people are like, yeah, where do I sign up? Got to be careful. You got to be careful um, because this it's like a landmine. The information out there is like a landmine. And this is what I've attempted to do with this ministry. And, and I, you know, I've always prayed the Holy Spirit would lead me to do this because I've been there, done it. I mean, I was Mr. Acupuncture and applied kinesiology, doing all kind of muscle testing. And, and, and I mean, I was actually being um, trained to actually start doing seminars where I was training other doctors. Even at the age of 24, they were training me. When I worked in um, Florida, we had the number one office in Florida that sold a particular product line called Standard Process. I mean, we were moving a ton of nutrients. And we were turning two and three people away every day when I first started as a, as a doctor. And um, so, you know, they, they were training me to do that. And thank God he, he got me out of that because, I mean, I was... I was right on the cusp of really going headlong into this stuff. Uh, and my mom had already been in it her whole life, so I mean, it was to me it was just a carryover from what she had already conditioned me for because she was heavily involved in yoga. So, going back to the article, it says, Ferguson proposed a vast array of consciousness-expanding rituals. Now, this is Marilyn Ferguson that wrote The Aquarian Conspiracy, which is like the Bible for the coming New World Order back in the 1980s. And she promised the mind-body-spirit healing, including meditation, biofeedback, relaxation techniques, autogenic training, these types of things is where they needed to focus on. She also stressed the role of new psycho-spiritual technologies in altering consciousness. But note, meditation and its many related mind-altering activities weren't an end of themselves. According to Ferguson, they were for the purpose of changing people's worldviews. Now what? Let me read that again. Meditation and its many mind-related altering activities weren't an end of themselves. According to Ferguson, they were for the purpose of changing people's worldviews. Worldviews? Well, if you are the Antichrist and you have somebody that says they're an evangelical Christian or they go to Rick Warren's church or they go to wherever, wouldn't you as the Antichrist and the false prophet want to change that person's worldview into the worldview of the coming... Antichrist? I mean, get them all on the same page. That's what Rick Warren is doing when he brings these New Age, New World Order change masters into the church. People's mindsets and their thinking processes are going to start changing. Going back to this, it says, Just as some psychotechnologies increase the fluctuation of energy through the brain, enabling... Now, this is a quote from Ferguson. Just as some psychotechnologies increase the fluctuation of energy through the brain, enabling new patterns or paradigm shifts to occur, body work alters the flow of energy through the body, freeing it of its old ideas and patterns, increasing its range of movement. Structural integration, the Alexander Method, Feldenkrais, Applied Kinesiology, Neuro kinesthetics and bioenergetics and Reiki and therapy and hundreds of other systems initiate 
transformation of the body. That's a quote from her book, page 255 and 256. Now, I said a mouthful there. Let me explain to you what I just said. I'll define it for you. Ferguson is saying that these new psychotechnologies that the alternative healthcare practitioners are implementing, such as Alexander Method, some of these I'm not familiar with, Feldenkrais, Applied Kinesiology. Now, that's what I did. I was king muscle tester. That's when they like, you know, you go into alternative healthcare and hold this nutrient, I'm going to test your arm. Okay? There are certain forms of kinesiology that I do believe have validity. Okay? But most of them are not. Most of them, you're asking the body all kind of questions. It turns into nothing more than a, a psychic encounter almost. It's, I would stay away from it. I really would. Um, another thing called neurokinesthetics, bioenergetics, Reichian therapy. I believe what they're referring to here is Wilhelm Reich. Now, if you don't know who Wilhelm Reich is, he was a devil, a very brilliant devil that lived, I think, 40s and that era. And he developed a uh, something called orgone therapy. Orgone therapy stands for orgasmic energy. He believed he could he could actually take things, make things, which were called orgone concentrators, and take, uh, how to put this in a nice way, he would take the orgasmic energy of people, you know, stuff, people doing what they do, okay, and that he could capture that energy through concentrators, through certain things that he made, and that these things would, like, you could put them around your house and things, and it would create this wonderful environment where only positive energies could exist. Now, this is the same garbage that Sherry Schreiner is advocating on her website. And if you follow Sherry Schreiner, I would highly advise you get off that train, because that woman is a world-class witch, okay? And she is advocating... Wilhelm Reich in organ therapy. She says this is a way to get get um, get gray aliens out and, and, and to get the UFOs away, and we can destroy the aliens. And it's kind of funny because Sherry Schreiner says this, and at the same time, Matreya and um, Benjamin Krem up on their website on Share International are advocating Wilhelm Reich. In fact, it's one of the main things they advocate. On Share International's website, Benjamin Krem and Matreya have both said much about how wonderful Wilhelm Reich is in orgone therapy. And yet Sherry Schreiner's saying that that orgone is the way that we destroy like the gray aliens and the ascended masters and, and we get them away from us. And yet it's exactly in line with what Matreya says. So whose side is she on? She's on Satan's side. Okay? And if you want to know more about it, just email me and I'll send you a document I have on her. But um, anyway, I, I, it said Reiki and therapy there, and I want it. But see, understand, these are, these are alternative, new age, health um, systems that a lot of people get into. A lot of Christians that have knowingly got into this, they're based in, in, um, uh, on total new age. And what is happening is, is when you go and you get these techniques done to you, you are opening yourself up to the demonic realm. You're opening yourself up to bringing curses on yourself, becoming blinded by demons, and you won't even know it's happening. Okay? She said all these therapies and hundreds of other systems, because there's so many, 
She said they initiate transformation of the body and they allow and enable new patterns or paradigm shifts to occur and they allow the freeing of old ideas or patterns. What is she saying here? Well, she's saying that these techniques, what they're going to do is basically change your worldview, which is what she said before. Meaning you're going you're gonna to start thinking at one time you might have thought, well, all this is new age. I can't do it. And then all of a sudden you let this into your life and all of a sudden, well, you know, this stuff isn't too bad after all. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling better and better. I, I mean, I well, it's not really new age. Rick Warren's, he's advocating and it can't be too bad, right? Oh, I'm going to go ahead and get it done. And you become more and more and more blinded by demons. Okay, the the more you do this stuff, it does. It's not like it gets better, unless God yanks you out of it. Unless God delivers you from this, don't do it. Don't initiate. And if you had initiated it, pray, fast, repent, and don't do it anymore. I don't believe, um, as a chiropractor, I do not believe taking a hard bone off a soft nerve is occultic. Yes, chiropractic was supposedly discovered by a guy named D.D. Palmer who was what they call a magnetic healer. And yes, he was involved in the occult. But hold on. When I get that argument to say, see, look, D.D. Palmer discovered chiropractic. D.D. Palmer did not discover chiropractic, okay? What D.D. Palmer did is just discover something that was already there. He didn't, he didn't like, make it happen. Here's, here's a point, case in point. You can have somebody that has their back out of place, okay? They can step off a curb and realign their back. Have you ever heard that happening? Like somebody had this kink or something for all these years, and one day they're walking, they stepped in a hole, and so they heard something pop, and all of a sudden the pain's gone. What did they just do? They just realigned themselves chiropractically. There's nothing new age about it. All it was is taking a hard bone off a soft nerve, allowing nerve flow to, to heal, allowing the body to heal itself. They realign themselves. It's like taking your car in, and you get a realignment. There's nothing new age about that. The problem is... Many, many, many of the chiropractors are involved in New Age, and it kind of depends what school they go to. The one I went to, um, it wasn't near as New Age as some of the other ones out there. Some of the, probably Palmer, which I know is named after Dee Dee Palmer, that's probably one of the least New Age schools. But there's, it depends on the, it depends on the education of the chiropractor. Okay? What I would advise is try to find a Christian chiropractor that's just, all he wants to do is move a bone, okay? He just wants to realign you. And if you can't hold your adjustments, go up to the internet and key in for a supplement called, supplement called manganese B12. It's made by Standard Process. Now, you can get manganese from other sources. I just happen to like this one because I've used it for so many years. I know it works. It's very cheap. It's like 11 bucks a bottle. Take If you're a man, take three a day for like the first bottle. If you're a woman, take like two a day. And I would almost guarantee you, you're going to see a gigantic difference in your ability to hold chiropractic adjustments. Because one of the main things we don't get in our diet is manganese. Not magnesium, manganese. And you got to have it to hold your adjustments. If I don't take the stuff, you know, I will not hold my adjustments. And this is a big reason why people have to keep going back and back and back to chiropractors. Because they're, they're low in manganese, they don't have the, the uh, trace minerals to hold adjustments, and what happens is, is their ligaments and tendons get loose and lax because they don't have enough manganese, and they can't hold their adjustments. So they go in, they get adjusted, sometimes by the time they're out in the parking lot, they've already lost it. Well, that's not really the chiropractor's fault. It's that their body's so deficient in manganese that it can't hold an adjustment anyway. 
And this is why chiropractic can kind of become addictive, and this is why chiropractic gets a bad rap sometimes, because people say, oh, once you go, it never stops, you got to keep going back. But yet there's some people, they go and they get like one time and they're good. What's the difference? The difference is their manganese status. That's the difference. Okay, I just told you something there that could literally save you, I don't know how much pain, because when you're out of alignment it hurts, but it could also save you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Chiropractors are typically taught, for the most part, that you know you get a patient in three times a week for like X amount of months, and then two times a week, and then one times a week. And they make a lot of money that way. Okay, That's the way they're trained. And if they go to the seminars, they're really trained that way. I couldn't in good conscience do that. I just, once I found out about manganese, I never had a piece of it. I tried to get everybody on it. And what happened is they didn't need to come see me. <laughs> Hardly, I mean, not near as much as they normally would. But if everybody were to take that product I mentioned, it would devastate the chiropractic industry. Devastate it because they'd have so much less patience. Because people wouldn't need to get adjusted three times a week or two times a week. Or whatever. Now, granted, there's always going to be extenuating circumstances. You got somebody that's been in, you know, three car accidents and they've got all kind of degeneration. Maybe they've got some type of bone disease. Okay. That's extenuated, but it's not normal. So anyway, what I just told you there could be a gigantic thing for, for your life, um, in a positive way. Going back to the article, it says Rick Warren has now plunged into a role as change agent. For the healthcare reform in America, it is significant that he chose some genuine New Age gurus to be his partners. This association provides an indication about how Rick Warren defines health. Researcher Jennifer Peekish wrote an account of her personal experience at Saddleback Health and Fitness Seminar. Her report on Rick Warren's new Daniel plan revealed the real hidden agenda is not about health parishioners. It is about radical community transformation. She writes, quote, by the time I settled into listening more intently, the second speaker, and this is when she was at Rick Warren Saddleback Church, the second speaker, Mark Hyman, began. It didn't take too long to figure out what the basis of his message was. She says, we, quote, need to heal the community. He termed his, he termed his accompaniment. And then he goes on to say, we're here for the sake of each other. And then he goes on to say, this plan is is, quote, way out. Our, no, this plan is our way out. And then he says, this plan saved me. See, only Jesus Christ can truly save us. He's saying this plan saved me. Then he goes on to say, and in fact will, quote, change the world. Saddleback was being told they were a, quote, test community to show the world how to live healthy and sustainably. Now, that word sustainable is one of the biggest New Age coming one world order, coming depopulation buzzwords. See, that word first cropped up when they say, in order for the world to be sustainable, we have to reduce world population by estimates of anywhere from 40 to 95%. According to the Georgia Guidestones, get everything down to 500 million, okay, which would be you know almost a 95% reduction if the population is around 7 billion. So, that word sustainable, whenever you see it, what they're saying is, see, Mother Gaia is grieved. Mother Earth or Mother Gaia is grieved. They, review, they literally view the Earth as a god, a goddess. Okay? So in order for Mother Gaia to be happy again, and for all, you know, this is why we're having all these earthquakes and all this stuff and all these changes in the atmosphere and these things. So in order for Mother Gaia to be happy, 
we got to reduce world population by this unbelievably dramatic number in order for the world to be sustainable. So, just so you know, that's what it means. Jennifer continues her report when she said, quote, I fell off my chair when Dr. Hyman stated, quote, the key to the success of the Daniel plan is group living. Group living? What, like in a commune or something? And then she says, individuals will not succeed. This is what Dr. Hyman's saying. Our only hope lies in community. Is that like that Hillary, Hillary Clinton book that she came out with where it says it was entitled It Takes a Village to Raise Your Child? You ever see that book? It's called It Takes a Village because it takes a village to, to raise your child. So you can't do it on your own. You have to have this global community where we're all on the same page. Um, goes on, then it goes on to say, and with that it was announced that the Saddleback community would be an example of sustainable living, these are quotes from the thing, and would set the course to, cha- to quote, change this world. And the crowd went wild. Now all of this I'm reading you is reference from the actual seminar, and I'll give you all the references at the end here. So, what is this Daniel plan? Obviously it doesn't have anything to do with the biblical Daniel. Rick Warren was well-schooled in the Leadership Network's marketing model, which encourages pastors to snap up a biblical-sounding term, apply it on any new plan or program, and voila, it becomes a marketing logo. Being part of the community means that you go into a data bank. The Daniel plan is a massive healthcare assessment for all evangelicals gullible enough to turn in personally identifiable health data to Rick Warren's massive, secretive data bank. The Daniel plan asks users to create their own personal health profile online that divulges intimate medical information. And this is straight from the actual website, uh, Rick Warren's. In order for us to support and guide you in this journey, we need to know more about your history of your health and your current physical state. This profile will also help you to track your progress, connect with others working the program, and get your questions answered. And again, this is a link directly off his website, saddleback.com. A broad range of health data will be collected on participants. Uh, we guess we guess the participants will yield the right to privacy. They will provide uh, Rick Warren information that was previously confidential between them and their personal physicians. That was a little excerpt in there. Um, at the Daniel Plan website, the week one, measure your way to success explains, quote, click the quote, get started, button and create your own health profile where you will enter in information about your current condition. The site will save your statistics so you can compare your progress down the road. All the information is private, voluntary, and optional. To help you get started on this journey, get your height, weight, blood pressure, and before pictures taken on your church campus this weekend. Then you can add this information to your profile. We also recommend knowing your body mass index, completing the medical symptom toxicity questionnaire, and if possible, getting a, quote, full blood panel. Coming soon, watch an in-depth video explanation from Dr. Mark Hyman regarding, quote, knowing your numbers. In addition, the doctors will be providing optional quizzes to help gauge your starting point. So they're trying to get as much health information as they can. Going back to the article, it says private, this information that's supposedly private, is never defined in the above disclaimer about collecting health information. Furthermore, this personal health profile data is being collected for a broadly unspecified purpose. Who are Rick Warren's partners in this endeavor? With whom will he share the data? Will the church data be passed along to the state? 
turned over to corporations. In other words, the two leg, the two legs of the three-legged stool. In other words, church, the corporate world, and the state all merging together. The three-legged stool. Given Warren's close association with Bill Gates, yeah, Rick Warren and Bill Gates are good buddies. Bill Gates, one of the most evil people on the planet. Okay, one can only guess how far and wide the Daniel Plan data could be divulged. Let's just pause for a moment in the report to do a reality check about the new role of the third leg of the stool. First, what is the church doing in the business of assessing healthcare? Second, what is the church doing amassing a huge data bank of intimate healthcare data on evangelicals? Third, what is the church doing at the forefront of the healthcare reform agenda? Fourth, what is the church doing working with obvious New Age gurus? I mean, this is absolute insanity. You know, 50 years ago, they could have never, ever gotten away from this, away with this. But things are so bad, and there's so much leaven and apostasy uh, within the modern-day, quote, Christian Church of America, that now they can finally pull this stuff off. I mean, this is Satan's dream agenda. Know how cleverly Warren has maneuvered the church into a position of agent provocateur. This fits in with the dominionist cultural renewal model where the church assumes a key role in managing the transformation of society, i.e. transforming culture itself. Okay, And dominionism meaning they're going to create this utopian world where things are just going to get better and better and better and better, even though there's no Bible to support that. Okay, and but this is this is what they're 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 moving us toward this dominionist agenda. In this case, healthcare is the way they do it by assuming this pivotal role. The church is no longer the conscience of society; it is not functioning as salt and light to a dark world. Rather, it's acting as a change agent, working in collaboration with the state, uh, corporate business, and the new new age movement to facilitate transformation. As a change agent, the church loses its prophetic voice against injustice. It becomes a collaborator with the state. This is the new missional church whose agenda has changed from that of preaching the gospel of saving souls to the working of on the restructuring of healthcare domain. Um, well put. Since health is so broadly defined and since health is what is being assessed, hard questions need to be asked about the intended performance Outcomes. Why is Dr. Hyman running numbers? What definition will be applied to effective or successful measures of health improvement? What about those whose health is by nature inevitably declining, like the elderly and the incurably infirm, those who have debilitating degenerative diseases or an irreversible handicap? What about those whose prognosis can only be measured in a steady decline? How will they fit in with the success statistics that comprise, quote, wellness. In Peter Drucker's utopian world, only those who possess human capital, quote, human capital, are deemed worthy citizens. And those assessed without it have no place in society. What does that mean? That means they're going to be killing people off. The death panels that Obama has built into the health care reform, you know, you just need to die. You know, I mean, you can't contribute to society anymore. You need to die. Certain races will be targeted. Um, you could go on and on and on about that. But those that don't... There was a show a long time ago I watched when I was a kid. And I forget the name of it, but it was about this. And it was some show about, like, the future. And, and 
somebody from like I don't know if it was on another planet or what, but but they got on this planet and they and they realized that they were humans, but everybody on this planet was like young. And what would happen is is once you turn, I think it was like the age of maybe forty or thirty five or something like that, you went to this great coliseum where they like suspended you in the air and they had this great time blowing you with lasers out of there, they, they eradicated you, they killed you, okay, that was what happened when you turned like the age of 35 or 40 or whatever, I used to know the name, I'm sure a lot of people do, but anyway, it was, it was like some mini-series that ran like in the 80s sometime, and this is very much the signal they have been trying to send us for a long time, people that are deemed useless eaters have to go. Okay, and there's going to be a very broad definition of what a useless eater would be. Anybody that's going to adhere to the Bible is going to be turned as a useless eater. Certain people of certain races who are deemed, are deemed ethnically uh, undesirable, they'll have to go. Uh, the elderly, they're going to have to go. Anybody with any kind of physical handicap. And then we talk about the whole thing of transhumanism. And the whole thing where we talked about that movie Gattaca, where they're actually engineering, bioengineering children. They're actually, you know, uh, through um, uh, advanced, advanced um, artificial insemination techniques, where they're actually taking just certain uh, eggs and certain, you know, sperm, and they're just combining those. They're going to have like this super race that they're going to try to create. And those that are not within the parameters are going to be deemed unacceptable or unfit and this is the this is the society unfortunately that we're moving into uh let's go further here to put the church's role into the three-legged stool into perspective consider briefly michelle obama's key role in maneuvering the corporate state the corporate and state legs of this stool a recent new york times article explained after wrapping her arms around retail giant walmart this is obama i mean what would a you know the most evil corporation in, in the country, pretty much, and the most one of the most evil women in the country. I mean, what a great team. After wrapping her arms around retail giant Walmart and trying to cajole food makers into producing nutrition labels that are easier to understand, Michelle Obama, an advocate of healthy eating, has set her sights on a new target, the nation's restaurants. Well, you know, I don't buy any of that. I mean... Obviously, there's a depopulation agenda, and this whole garbage about her wanting pe- kids to eat more healthy is nothing more than just a control mechanism. She she wants she wants what her handlers want, you know, which is world domination and massive depopulation. But the article explains how the first lady has been seeking partnerships with industry and meeting with representatives from the National Restaurant Association in a bid to get restaurants to adopt her goals and what. What public office did she run for where she has a right to do this, is what I want to know. Who elected her to be able to have that kind of power or authority? What, because she's first lady? She automatically has this kind of power? Well, it says she's trying to get restaurants to adopt her goals of smaller portions and children's meals that include healthful offerings. Which sounds all real good on the veneer, but just remember, you're dealing with Satan here. Okay? You're dealing with the seed of Satan, Michelle Obama, and, and, you know, whatever. So, don't trust anything she's trying to implement. Anything she's going to try to implement is just going to try to take away your rights. 
Obama and her team also are quietly pressing the levers of industry and government. Food police obviously have an interest in what is happening with the health police and vice versa. This is all about controlling your diet, what you eat. While Rick Warren's Daniel plan is busy assessing everyone's girth and monitoring their caloric intake and weight loss results, Michelle Obama is racing to overhaul the national diet by actually changing available food choices. It really reminds me a lot of 1984, George Orwell's book. Uh, because there, the state totally controlled what you ate. Everything that you ate, what little that you got to live and subsist off, was 100% controlled by the state, other than whatever you could get maybe on the black market. But you better not let anybody catch you getting it, because if Big Brother finds out, you know, it's like 30 days in the electric chair, or whatever, for the, for the punishment. So while Rick Warren activates the church leg of the stool, other pressures are being brought to bear on the corporate and state legs to bring all into conformance with the global consciousness and standards. And thanks to Rick Warren's Daniel plan, we're provided with an obvious clue that these standards will be managed and monitored by the new age spirit, uh, new age, new spirituality model of healthcare reform. So it might be questioned, should Bible believers like Daniel of old, who chose not to defile themselves by partaking in the Daniel plan with its obvious new age and New World Order overtones and control mechanisms. How much better it would be for Christians to choose to satisfy their spiritual appetite by feeding on Him who is the bread of life. John three or John six thirty five says, and Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. So that's the that's the uh, article there. Now I give you all of the um, references, and there's a lot, a lot of references to this thing. If you want to explore this further. Oh, there's probably about two or three pages. And then I also give you the studies that I've done. Rick Warren and Apostasy, Rick Warren and Rupert Murdoch, and Rick Warren, Obama, and Hillary. Um, I'll give you those links. It's going to be on page 13 of the the article there. I'm going to go ahead. I've got one last article here, and we're just going to finish up with one part for today. Um, State-owned churches are killing America. This is by Chuck Baldwin. America was birthed in the spirit of liberty and baptized in the blood of patriots and tyrants. Leading the change in America's fight for independence was a courageous group of patriot preachers that came to be known as the Black Regiment. I have written several columns on the subject. Suffice it to say here that I invite readers to take a look at my Black Regiment webpage to learn more about this early American phenomenon. There is little doubt that without these stalwart Christian pastors, this country would not have come into existence. I extended this call for a modern-day Black Regiment five years before Glenn Beck ever mentioned it. And he's got a Black Regiment webpage you can click on here. Um, Going further, so what did these colonial preachers have that today's preachers don't? The better question might be, what did these colonial preachers not have that today's preachers do have? The answer is two things. Number one, an IRS 501c3 tax-exempt corporate status which I've spoken about many, many times, and I'm going to give you all the links to those. And number two, a 50-year misrepresentation of Romans chapter 13. The now infamous 501c3 section of the Internal Revenue Code, or IRC, goes back to 1936. The seeds of this Venus flytrap date back to, to 1872, though. But then, Senator Lyndon Johnson was the Dr. Frankenstein who in 1954 unleashed this monster upon America. His motivation was, he did not like the way pastors and churches were opposing his liberal agenda, and he wanted to use the power of law to silence them. He therefore introduced verbiage into the IRC code, the 
Internal Revenue Code, that churches were prohibited from influencing political legislation and supporting political campaigns, or they would risk losing their tax-exempt status. And also, they got they, these churches got subsidies from the government as well. So, oh, we can't have that because then their, their parishioners can't write it off on their taxes. Okay, so they had to stay in line with the government. Okay, now, the government gives you your right to exist as a church through a 501c3 corporate status, then they can take it away at any time they want. They created you, so they're your slave master. You may not acknowledge that. You may say, I don't. Bless God, I don't care what they say. doesn't matter. You have taken on that corporate mantle. You have went to them to get your right to exist as a 501c3 corporation, and they, therefore, as your slave master, as your creator, can take that away from you. And the Bible says, how can you serve two masters? You can't serve both God and mammon. You can't bow the knee to God and the knee to Baal. Okay, and I'm just, I've said this many, many, many times, and I'm going to give you a 39 page, uh, 39 pages of documentation that I'm not going to go into today at the end of this. And if you want to go, you go up to the PDF for, um, 22011 for contendingfortruth.com or wherever else you can find it. And you click on that and, and, um, see if you can refute that information. I've never had anybody be able to refute it. It's not because, it's something that I put together. It's something that a lot of other people, a lot smarter than me, put together. A lot of different things documenting how the 501c3 corporate church is absolutely, totally in lockstep with the coming, with our own government and the coming New World Order. So, um, let's go further. Of course, colonial pastors didn't have to worry about their churches being incorporated as state-created and controlled entities, or about IRS agents intimidating them regarding what they could say or what they could not say. In early America, preachers were free men. They could say whatever they wanted. Beyond that, virtually everyone regarded preachers as being God's men, not the servants of men. Today, however, the average pastor has not become the servant of the state, has become the servant of the state, and the churchy pastors, more often than not, has become a creature of the state. It is an absolute fact that state-owned churches are killing America. I mean, don't you think that has a lot possibly to do with why churches aren't speaking out against, like, stuff that I talk about pretty much every week? Well, if they're always afraid of losing their 501c3 corporate status and being labeled, well, of course they're going to keep their mouth shut. Here's another thing that hardly anybody ever talks about. What happens to a church on a spiritual level when they take a 501c3 corporate status, they go to the government and ask them to give them their right to exist, and the government grants them that right to exist. What happens to the church on a spiritual level? I don't really know, but it can't be good. I mean, do you think, do you think that when they take the 501c3 status, holy angels come down from heaven and bless that union? Ah, yes, you, you're, you're serving both, both God and Baal. We're gonna bless that. We're, our angels are gonna encamp around about this church and we're gonna strengthen you and no delusion will come into you and no apostasy will ever affect you because, listen, you've built your rock on, on the, on the state. This is where you've set your rock on. This is where you've, you've planted your foundation. Well, that's insane, right? What I just said was insane, right? Well, that's what they're doing. Now, what if you don't do that and you build your rock on the solid rock of Christ Jesus, you don't incorporate, you don't get entangled with the state, you stick with the pure word of God, you 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 know, go with the King James Bible in the English speaking language, 
And don't you think you're going to have a lot less trouble with discernment, with demonic issues? I mean, it would just it's just common sense what I'm talking about here. It's just common sense. But if you've never had it presented to you, and I'm, I'm not judging anyone, I'm just saying, if you've never thought about it, and this is the first time you've ever heard this, just think about it. I mean, ponder on that. Did Jesus ever take a corporate status? Did, did he go? Did he go to the disciples and say, you know, thou shalt go forth and and, and uh, yoke thyself up with the state and go to Rome and get permission to to have your Bible studies and get permission to have your your home churches and get permission to have your churches? He never said that. Never, never did that ever happen. We have no Bible for it whatsoever. Okay, so does that mean that we? We just go and do it then? No, not if there's not Bible to do it. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, according to 2 Corinthians 6.14. It's very clear. And when you yoke yourself up with the ungodly, wicked system that America has become, you are yoking yourself up with unbelievers. Bottom line. You can get mad at me all all day long or whatever, but, you know, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16. So, Going further, it says, um, I'll just repeat the last line. Today, however, the average pastor has become the servant of the state, and the church he pastors, more often than not, has become a creature of the state. It is an absolute fact that state-owned churches are killing America. Uh, Dick Gregg of Save a Patriot Fellowship in Westminster, Maryland, wrote, quote, Many Americans find it disturbing that some of our churches today are little more than a milquetoast corporation that fear a federal government more than the great I am. Moreover, it can be said that some preachers have the appearance of cringing, uh, politically correct cowards, rather than a committed, godly man of fortitude with backbone, such as those we read about in the Bible. Now, here's another thing. Just think about it. Look at, like, since 1880. Okay, 1881 is when we came out with a revised version of the Bible. Westcott and Hort, two high-level occultists, um, essentially that were working for the Catholic Church. Come out with a revised version, which has literally mostly spawned all the new versions. Okay, around the same time, we have all these pseudo Christian cults cropping up: Mormonism and and the Seventh Day Adventists and Jehovah Witnesses and all these cults. All this leaven starting to appear. And then around the 1930s, in there, the government comes out and says, "Hey, listen, you churches." We'll, we'll offer you this deal. We'll, we'll offer you this corporate status. You just fall in line with us, and your parishioners can write off their tithes on their taxes. Even though Jesus Christ said, "When you give, not let your right know what your right hand and what your left hand is doing." We're not supposed to give to be seen among men. Why? He said, "When you give to be seen among men, verily you have your reward." Remember what Jesus Christ said that. Well, when you give to I'm not saying it's everybody's motivation when they give to a church. I'm not saying that because I don't want to judge them in that regard, but. I know one thing, when I was in the church, and I gave, and particularly if I gave, if you're given a check or whatever, if they know, you get treated differently if you're giving a lot, typically, okay? I'm sorry, but you do. And I was even in some churches where I was the only one that gave cash. They still knew it was me, because I was the only one in there giving cash. And they would give me a detailed item. It was like somebody must have been watching me or something. My motivation wasn't to be seen among men, but a lot of people, they like that. They like that status privilege thing. I'm giving a lot of money. I get treated a little bit better. You know, I can write it off on my taxes. And uh, anyway, 
And again, I'm not judging everybody that gets to a church. I'm just saying, some people, that is the case, though. Some people, that is why they do do it. Whether it be to write it off on their taxes, whether it's to be seen among men. I'm not saying everybody, I'm just saying some, okay? Just want to throw that in there. So, um, going further, it says, it is a, um, no, we already read that one. Uh, Dear reader, you can take this to the bank, the vast majority of pastors and board members of these 501c3 corporations. Now, do you realize that when you become a 501c3 corporation, whether you designate it or not, in the corporate papers of the church, which has have to be formed for this to happen, they will designate the pastor as the CEO of this corporation and the deacons as the board of directors. Now, if you don't designate that on your corporate charter, they'll do it for you. They'll do it for you. Just act... Ask Dr. Greg Dixon, who had Indianapolis Baptist Temple, which was the largest independent fundamental Baptist church in America. The IRS came in and shut him down because he wasn't in full compliance with what the IRS... uh, I think he wasn't withholding like payroll taxes or something. He wasn't in full compliance. He admits he he did some things wrong. What did they do? They came in, they shut him down, they put him into a kangaroo court, and ultimately they came in and stole his church... They were literally in there, in the church, in like a, uh, a lock, lockdown for I don't know how many days. They finally came in, I believe, with like SWAT-like teams, removed them all from the church, and then ultimately bulldozed the church. Largest independent fundamental Baptist church in America this happened to. And he's been on my email list for years, been a good friend of mine, and he wrote a book called, uh, he's wrote several um, several books that I actually give you the links to the books within this PDF. Uh, it's called The Trail of Blood Revisited. If you want to go into this and learn more about this, I highly advise you read his stuff. I, I give you all the links at the end of this where you can go in and just... So, before you email me about it, go to the PDF for 2.20.11 on contendingfortruth.com and get into that. It's 54 pages. I mean, after you get past the 15th page, it's going to be all on this particular subject. It is a very important subject that is hardly ever, ever discussed. I've discussed it many times, not so much lately, because I've already done several studies on it. But I really believe this is one of the main reasons that the church is in the shape it's in. From a spiritual standpoint, I only think when we get to heaven, we will actually then be able to see and maybe possibly view what happens to a church when they take on a 501c3 status, spiritually. Because we can't see the devils and demons, right? I mean, unless you got your third eye open, and if you're if you're in that mode, you know, that's not a good place to be either, as a Christian. So anyway, let's go further here. Uh, let's see. Dear reader, you can take this to the bank, the vast majority of pastors and board members of these 501c3 corporations, when push comes to shove, and it always does, will demonstrate unconditional loyalty to the state. Plus, they will compromise or sacrifice any and every biblical doctrine or principle in order to preserve their tax-exempt status and stay on the smiley side of the Internal Revenue Code. They will also throw anyone under the old proverbial bus who might risk them falling out of favor with the IRS. I can give painful and personal testimony to this fact. Greg is right, the guy that gave the previous quote. Many or most of today's pastors and church officers fear the federal government far more than they fear God. That, that, I mean, that by itself is a scary statement. I mean, that's like, wow, they they just, they fear the government? Hmm. The fear of man bringeth the snare, the Bible says. 
but there's no fear of God in the church. No, he's just the big guy in the sky to them. You know, he's the heavenly bellhop they call upon to get whatever they want, whenever they want it. You know, uh, they fear the government and the state. And I've, I've done teachings on this where I have proven and give you all the documentation. In fact, it's part of this PDF that when they've already yoked up with FEMA, the corporate church of America has yoked up with FEMA, Homeland Security, that the churches are probably most likely going to be used as vaccination centers when, when, Things really start to go down, and they're going to be there to quell dissent among the sheeple people. They're going to be there to quell dissent of their flocks, because their flocks are going to be looking to them, oh, what do I do, pastor, what do I do, when things start to really get bad? Oh, come into church, you need to be vaccinated. And right after you get vaccinated, there's this, there's this nice bus that's going to take you to a nice internment camp, and they're going to, they're going to treat you right there. They really, they, they will. You can trust them. Uh, Telling you, those days are coming, and if you don't believe it, get into this PDF. Don't judge a matter before you've heard it, because I'm telling you, I, I'm going to give you a boatload of evidence to prove this. Uh, he who judges the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. This is what the Bible says. So get into this first before you, you know, you get mad at me. Uh, not only did colonial preachers not have to contend with putting their churches under some state-controlled corporation, they would never have allowed it to happen. Can one imagine John Leland, Jonas Clark, or John Witherspoon, which is part of this black regiment, being told by any state official that he could, what he could or could not say, or what the church could or could not do? These men were willing to go to prison or even the grave in order to remain faithful to their spiritual calling and their political and moral convictions. The other thing that colonial preachers did not suffer from was a 50-year indoctrination of a misrepresentation of Romans 13 which I've done a whole teaching on this myself, on Romans 13. The, this submit to the government no matter what doctrine, using Romans 13 as a pretext, is a satanically inspired lie designed to turn free men and women into slaves of the state. Students of history know that Adolf Hitler encouraged German pastors and churches to promote this same fallacious philosophy among German people. Adolf Hitler did the same thing to the, to the corporate churches there, saying, you just do whatever the government says because they're appointed by God and they're of God and therefore whatever they say you do. Adolf Hitler was the first guy that really did that. And according to Erwin Lutzer's book called Hitler's Cross, out of the more than 14,000 evangelical churches and pastors in Germany at the time, only about 800 remained faithful to scripture and opposed Hitler's brand of state worship. If my math is correct, that's about 5% of the churches. And it would not surprise me if 5% is about the average of the pastors and churches in America today that are opposing this modern-day worship of state. I don't know. I don't, I'm really going to be surprised if it's 5%. Because it's like more like 99% of the churches are 501c3, at least. So if they've been in that system, and they've, if they've been content with that system for a long time, there's a very low likelihood when things start to go bad that they're going to come out of it, I, I think. I may be wrong. I hope I am wrong. Um, at this point, instead of embellishing upon Romans 13, I'm going to insert a commercial. I began a series of messages on Romans 13 last Sunday in my message. This is um, Chuck Baldwin, Pastor Chuck Baldwin. And it's entitled The Truth About Romans 13 Part 1. I give you the link to click there. I also give you my link entitled Romans 13 and Unlimited Submission. So you can click on Mine, his, or both, and if you, if you want to know more about that. Edmund Burke said, The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. 
And unfortunately, the good men that are mostly doing nothing and allowing evil to triumph in our land are good men and women of America's churches who have either been intimidated by the 501c3 tax-exempt corporation status or who have been put into a sheepish, sheepish servile, Satan-induced coma from an overdose of misapplied Roman, Romans 13 poison. To quote the famous Bible commenter Matthew Henry, quote, It is the devil that stirs up his instruments, wicked men in government or without government, to persecute the people of God. Tyrants and persecutors are the devil's tools. Though they gratify their own sinful malignity, they know not that they are actuated by a diabolical malice. Yes, the black regiment preachers of colonial America helped lead America's fight for freedom and independence, but they did not have their hands out to the IRS or their minds or their hearts numbed into apathy and indifference for decades of misuse and abuse of Romans chapter 13. So that's my teaching for today on page uh, 15 to page 54. You're going to see Satan's master plan to destroy the Lord's church. And that is my whole... uh, Word doc, or in this case PDF document, on this particular subject. And (laughs) it'll load your boat. I mean, there's a lot of information there. It'll take you a while to get through. Um, I'm only doing the one part today because there's a lot of other things that you might want to cover on your own in in this other part of the 54-page PDF. So I'll go ahead and we'll close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I do thank you, Lord, that you've let us come together once again. I do pray, God, that wherever your word or your truth is being preached worldwide, that you bless that, that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, Lord God, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that um, the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, that whatever truth you're showing us, Lord God, we would be faithful um, to apply these truths in our life and also to help others, Lord, that you bless the body of Christ, my listeners, Lord, that your angels would encamp around about them, Lord, that you give them water to drink, uh, food to eat, Lord God, shelter, that you bless the widows, the orphans, the babies, Lord God, the unborn babies of the, of the world, um, your servants, Lord God. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's d-r-j-o-h-n-s-o-n at the letter i, the letter x, dot n-e-t-c-o-m dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.